Erica is what we might label an explorer. From adventures on Tinder, the circus, and supporting startups, Erica applies her mind to working out how she can be the best version of herself in all that she does. This disciplined capoeira devotee also tried her hand at political office. Come on, join us on this adventure with Erica. Welcome to another episode of She Rocks Global. So happy to be showcasing continually perfectly imperfect women from around the world. And so today I'm happy to be in conversation with Maka. Hello, Maka. Hello, Navisa. I'm so happy to be here today. Absolutely. And more importantly, so happy that the two of us get to speak with a wonderful guest who's also a first. This is our first guest from the Scandinavian part of the world. And we will be speaking to Erica, who's coming in to speak to us from Finland. Hello, Erica. Hello. Good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. And so without delay or any other nonsense, how about you tell us who you are and so we can get the conversation going. Erica, who is Erica? <laughs> Man, I always hate introducing myself, but I guess I have to. Uh, my name is Erica. I live in Finland, grew up in Sweden. Um, I work for a startup called Evo Health, which is uh, half American, half Finnish. Uh, we work with chronic pain, which is a very interesting topic, which I'm definitely not an expert on, but I know much, much more about it now than I did two years ago. Other than that, I've spent a lot of time working with the startup ecosystem here in Finland and a little bit internationally as well. Um, been working for a startup accelerator and um, startup, well, not really an incubator, but kind of like an incubator uh, here in Finland. And yeah, happy to connect with the two of you again. It's been, what, three years now since we saw each other? <laughs> yes, so we were lucky to have met together whilst we all were in the United States in 2018. And we're now in 2021, if we do a bit of a time check. And the world was very different then. And I think we're very different now. And so, Erica, there's, if I did a word cloud, just from the basis of your introduction, the word that would have the most prominence is the word startup. So I think it's so easy for us to go into these conversations and we use words like startup. What's a startup, Erica? Well... <laughs> If you ask me, the, the definition I've learned for startups is that it's an organization that is looking for a scalable business model. How does Erica see herself as a startup? If I was a startup? Well, let's put it this way. Maybe the question comes from this idea of you've, you've spent so much time around startups. You've started figuring yeah. out what you think the definition is of a startup. You, there's obviously something in you that relates to the culture of startups, what a startup is. And therefore, if mm -hmm. I had to ask you very quickly without a plan, what is Erica and how is she a startup? <laughs> well, I guess I'm, I'm the type of person who likes to be like involved in starting things. I'm not always the one who has the most ideas. But I have enough ideas and I'm fairly organized and I guess I'm like a good combination of creativity and being organized because I guess a lot of times you might have people who are very organized or, or who are very creative, but I think I'm somewhere in between. So when there's a need for creativity, I can bring that on. And when there's a need for just being organized and getting things done, 
um, I can do that too. Um, Erica, uh, I really would like to know because when we met each other two years ago, three years ago, sorry, and I, I, I must say that it feels it was yesterday. Even we are three different women uh, in comparison to that times. Um, you, you know a, a lot how to build an ecosystem. You work in Finland actively. Um, I remember we talked about this in those moments. Uh, and I would like to ask you, uh, which are the main challenges uh, for female in the startup world? Like, I imagine you, you, or if not, if you feel the same, do you have additional challenges because of being female on the startup uh, ecosystem? Uh, well, I would say here in Finland, it might even be an advantage to be a woman in the, in the startup world. Them. Uh, because like most places, um, there's more men than women in the startup ecosystem. So you already start out by just being a woman. Uh, and that a lot of times that works like it's, it's good for you to stand out. I mean, if you go to a conference where 90% are men and you're trying to get the attention of some investors or some potential partners or something like this, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for them to remember the 10 women. Than it is for them to remember the 90 men that were there. Uh, of course, this is also changing, which is also a good thing that there is more and more women involved as well. Uh, but to, to be honest, within the startup ecosystem itself, I haven't felt that being a woman has been a burden in any way. I would say the opposite. Uh, where you might have some issues, or at least in my experience, is more when when you're interacting with not not with other startups, but maybe uh, facing the public sector or facing the corporate sector, which I guess are a bit more conservative and traditional. Um, so, yeah. But within the startup scene itself, being a woman, at least here, uh, is not an... It's, I like it. I think sometimes I have it easier than a lot of men. Which is so refreshing because... Um, I think so many of us carry the burden of being very few amongst many. So we assume that if you're a few women in a room of many men, that then becomes a burden. We should be fighting. We should be, you know, all the things that make us feel uncomfortable instead of this point of view that says, actually, when you're one of a few, you stand out easier in that crowd. I find that very, very refreshing as an approach. And at the same time, I'm curious to find out how much of that approach is Erica and how much of that approach is Erica who's, you know, grew up in Sweden, lives in Finland, and how much of that maybe is a lived experience from Northern Europe? Wow, that's a really good question. And it's difficult to answer because I haven't, I haven't grown up anywhere else than in, in the Nordic countries. Um, I mean, even though Finland is one of the most gender equal countries in the world, Uh, it doesn't mean that it's perfect. Like there's still, obviously there's still work to be done as there is everywhere. Uh, and in some ways, I think because compared to a lot of other countries, we're doing so well, a lot of people here feel like we're done. Like, you know, we are where we should be. Like we've already reached what we should reach, which obviously as long as we're not like 100% equal, it's not, we're not done. Um, But yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure I can answer that, that question, like how much of it is me and how much of it is the environment in which I grew up. I think the one thing, um, might be rambling a bit, but one thing that might contribute, that might be me, 
and my family is that I'm an only child, uh, which I know Novisa also is. Uh, and there's obviously good sides and, and bad sides to everything, but the good side with being an only child is that uh, growing up, I got a lot of attention and a lot of times my my opinions were heard and my opinions were also like my parents, parents would actually ask for my opinions. Um, now that I'm an adult, I understand that obviously they had already decided what we were going to do, but they would always ask me, like, so that I felt that I was contributing to the decision, which I probably wasn't. <laughs> I, I love you, you sharing this. And, and I want to ask you, do you feel this about making decisions very young or, or being taught or being part of the decision making in your family? How is that related to the, your recent political story in your country? <laughs> well, I think the the political thing is more related to the pandemic, to be honest, because as the pandemic hit, pretty much everything that makes my life enjoyable was forbidden. So there was a lot of, you know, emptiness. Like I couldn't travel. Obviously, I have a lot of countries in a lot of countries in different friends. So I mean, a lot of friends in different countries. Uh, so I couldn't travel to visit my friends. I couldn't travel to visit my parents. Um, I couldn't do my, I teach capoeira, which is a Brazilian martial art. So we, we weren't allowed to have classes. Uh, all the restaurants were closed. I usually work from, like, I work remotely, even when we're not in a pandemic. But usually that doesn't mean working at home. It means working from a cafe or a restaurant. So you're still seeing other people. Uh, and I live alone. So once the pandemic hits, all of this was taken away. And yeah, I was so bored and felt I need some something to fill this time with. I need some sort of challenge so that I feel that, that I'm still evolving. I'm learning something new and not just sitting at home at my computer every day, just working. Uh, so I think that's one of the main reasons I actually joined this. It was the municipal election here in Finland. And, and I think it doesn't really matter what the reason is for joining something like that. I think it's a good thing to join. Uh, I wasn't elected, which I'm also happy with, because had I been elected, I know it would have taken up a lot of my time. Um, but it was a good experience. I get to meet, or I got to meet a lot of new people, most of them virtually, because all the campaigning and everything was also online. Uh, and also I got to see a little bit I joined a couple of Facebook groups, for instance, like this Turku specific, Turku is the city in which I live. So it, I got to see more like what, what people here talk about and what kind of opinions people here have, like outside of my own bubble, my own friends. And that was really like eye opening. So it's overall, it was a really good experience. But uh, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, I'm not sure I would have done it. That's very interesting. Huh? Like finding new opportunities on crisis. I love her. Uh, Erica, I, feel, uh, I think that's one of the things that kind of connects all of us. Like, I don't think any one of us is the type of person who is just gonna, you know, oh, we take something away from your life, so now you're just gonna sit with your arms crossed and go, oh, boo-hoo, poor me. You do something else. Right. Definitely, and I love it. Like, go to, uh, to action, no? To, to transform reality. I think that's very sexy, too. And what frightens you, Erica? <laughs> um... What frightens me? Like, do you want big philosophical things or do you want like very... I want very it all. She works global <laughs> wants it all. Come on, shit. They all, they all okay. matter. <laughs> the first one is something um, 
very concrete and kind of, well, to me, super, super scary. Like I said, I'm an only child. And now not having seen my parents for a very long time, they're actually visiting right now. They came this morning. Um, it, it's made me think, I mean, obviously they're getting older and, and we all know that people die eventually. Uh, so the thought of, of being an only child, I want, I don't have any siblings once my, like, once my parents pass, it's just me. And I'm also single, so it's just me, you know? So that's, that's a thought that scares me that at some point that, that day will come. Um, another thing that scares me is the thought of giving birth. I'm not pregnant or anything, but just the thought of giving birth scares me <laughs> a lot. Uh, other than that, I, I don't really have, like, I don't have the kind of fears that, you know, fear of not doing things that you wish you would have done because I think I've done, like, everything that I have wanted to do, I've done so far. Obviously, there are still things I want to do, but I haven't passed on things. That's what I call success. I know what is your definition for success, but what you have just said, it's like, no, like I don't have anything. I, I would have done everything the same I did. And that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that I could have done better or things could have gone better. Uh, but regardless of that, like, there's nothing that I feel like, oh, man, why did I not take that opportunity? Or why did I not do that? So for me, that kind of thinking as well also generally comes from people who probably have quite an integrated way of living in terms of having a pretty solid sense of where they're at emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And so I think it's interesting that you snack in a little bit about this idea of you being a capoeira teacher. And so can you maybe take us through the, your journey with capoeira? Because I'm, I did not imagine that I would meet somebody from Turku, Finland, who is actually an avid capoeira devotee. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing. Like I grew up doing gymnastics, so I've, I've always been very physical, and I've always enjoyed um, the kind of sports where you that are very like skill based, and you work with your body. So, I mean, I'll go to the gym occasionally, although I think it's super boring to just like do weightlifting and things like this. Um, it's healthy and it's good and it helps me in what I really want to do, which is capoeira in this case. But yeah, like I said, I grew up doing gymnastics. Um, after that, I moved on to studying uh, circus. So I worked as a circus acrobat for some years. And around the same time that I started with the circus, I also started with capoeira, which was, I had seen it. I'd been to Brazil once before starting, so I had seen it. But I, I wasn't interested in it in that sense. Um, I know a lot of people who do capoeira who say that the first time they saw it, they found it just so fascinating that they wanted to like be part of it. And it wasn't like that for me. I started because I had just stopped doing gymnastics and my body was used to exercising and I wasn't exercising and I was going nuts. And I knew that I have to do something. <laughs> so... A friend of mine knew this guy who had a capoeira group, so we went to try it out, and it was like it was nice. Most of all, the group was super nice; like it was just a really nice group of people, uh, and that made me go back. And then eventually, I was I got like hooked on the movements because they were challenging and they were very different from gymnastics because gymnastics is very like clean lines, very straightforward, whereas capoeira looks like a mess to me. 
coming from gymnastics. But it's super interesting because there's so many different directions and so many different angles and the, the movements are just so different. And so I just kept doing it. And I think a lot of people, when they start doing something, maybe not a lot, but at least some people, when they pick up a new hobby, they might have this thought process of, okay, I'm going to commit to this now and do this. I never did that. I just figured I'll, I'll keep going back as long as it's fun. And it has now been almost 18 years and it's still fun. And that's why I keep going back to it. And in, in some senses, I think, I mean, I haven't had any like serious relationships in my life, like romantic relationships, but I, I think uh, capoeira is my like number one love. And in some sense, it's the same, like you choose it every day. You don't decide I'm going to do this for 10 years. You choose it every day. Like as long as this feels good, I continue. And there's been times when I've had to question that because I mean, I've had four knee surgeries. So I've had breaks in my training and coming back from each surgery, you have to have that thought process with yourself. Like, okay, am I still going to do this rehab, get back to doing that? And I can say for the last surgery, which was in 2017, I noticed that I didn't really miss the training. But I also knew that I've gotten so much from Capoeira, including like the majority of my friendships. So it's not an environment that I want to lose. So what I did as soon as I was basically allowed to walk, I would go to the trainings and sit in a corner and do my rehab exercises while everyone else was doing the normal class just to keep reminding myself that, you know, this is this is what you're trying to get back to. And how would you comp- Sorry, go, go. I was going to say that <clears throat> I love how you describe your journey with Capoeira as a relationship. Um, it's not a task, it's not a chore, but it's something that you choose every day. And sometimes in choosing it, it breaks you a little bit. You come back from it, you have to remember why you do it, and then you remember the, the bigger why, which is... There's something about the environment that brings you closer to like-minded people that you enjoy. Um, and so your okay. relationship evolves. And, and I think that's so special. When we start thinking about physical activity, it tends to be so removed from ourselves and we view it as something to achieve as opposed to something that we relate to. So again, another refreshing point of view from you. <laughs> but if I can continue on, on that because for, for me and for my friends in Capoeira, for us, the training part, like the physical training part, uh, is just one of the ways in which we interact together socially. You know, with some groups of friends, you might just go out for a glass of wine. And that's how you interact socially. I mean, we do that too. But before we have that glass of wine, we go and train. So it's it's like it's not something extra that you do to stay fit or something extra you do to stay healthy. It's just part of your social interaction. So in that sense, it's, yeah, it, it really does bring you closer to people in, in many ways. And it's great to have people around you who kind of want the same kind of lifestyle as you and, and stay healthy, especially as we're getting older, you have to start thinking about things like that. Uh, and the other side of it is the relationship you have with yourself, because I think for a lot of people, if, you, if you've never done anything for as long as I've done Capoeira, for instance, there's so many aspects and sides to yourself that you haven't discovered yet. Like just sticking with something for, for such a long time I've, has taught me a lot about myself. Amazing. And it sounds like a family while I was listening to you. And, and I would like to ask you, what do you get from capoeira and these martial arts? What do you take to your professional life, for example? Like, 
it sounds kind of a mindset, like a way of living. Yeah, I think there's a couple of really big things. The first thing is community. Uh, like you said, it, it is in many ways like a family uh, or a community. So you have people there, like a lot of people that I train with, I would never have met them anywhere else because we're from different fields of work, we're different ages. So you get to meet people you probably wouldn't meet otherwise. And you don't have to become best friends with everyone, but you know that you have this group that, you know, when you're moving to a new apartment, for instance, you can call on them and you have like 10 people helping you move. Uh, so just community and, and through that learning that like acceptance, just accepting everyone just the way they are. They might be super weird or you, you might know that this is not someone I would become friends with outside of this hobby. Uh, but in this, we have something that is strong enough to keep us together and, and you give people a lot more time because if they stick to the training, you, you spend time with them. And you also, like I said, you find new sides to yourself, but you also find new sides to other people. Uh, so the community aspect is super important. Another thing that I get is, I mean, capoeira is, is when we call it playing. So when you play capoeira, it's always improvised. So just having that kind of being able to get into a flow state where you're just improvising that helps i mean we've all been in situations where things don't go the way that we were planning for them to go and what do you do either you freeze or you improvise uh, so that's another thing that i've gotten from there i guess also just when we play capoeira we play in a circle so you have people standing in a circle and you have two people in the middle which means that you're kind of the focus of attention and especially for us coming from the Nordic countries, that's not something that is part of our culture. Like we, we do not want to attract a lot of attention to ourselves. We want to kind of blend in generally. Uh, so just learning that side as well and being comfortable with being the center of attention is also quite valuable. I think it also applies to women. I think as women, we're we're always forming the circles and we're helping people join the circle. But to be in the middle of the circle is either something that we think is not allowed or something that's completely frightening. And so it's not just a Nordic experience. I think it's a thing that exists in a lot of women from around the world. So mm -hmm. it's really, really awesome to see it playing itself out when you play capoeira. Good point. I think you're And so, I mean, Maka, please go ahead. No, I, 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 there are two topics I wanna, I wanna talk about prior to, to we wrap up. It's about the thing you talk about being single. And I, and I want to know how you cope with being single in Finland in a pandemia. I want to know your experiences with, uh, dating apps, for example, because I've seen some stuff on the social media. That's one topic. And the other one that I will leave it for the end, it's about retirement because I'm also having some conversation with myself. Uh, I'm not single at the moment, but I know I will need to solve that item on myself, like to design it my own. And I think people of our age have different alternatives that we need to start working today. But let's go first with this. Uh, how is dating in Finland being single uh, <laughs> during a pandemic? Uh, it's not easy. <laughs> um, what can I say? Well, I mean, we have the same apps as you have in, I guess. 
I'm okay, so curious so about culture, how culture uh, changed the dating stuff uh, on each yeah. continent. You know, because I imagine I that like... Tinder in Uruguay must be very different uh, to Tinder in Finland. But For sure. And probably also Tinder at different ages. I just like heard a while ago that um, a friend of mine, her mom, who is over 70, met someone on Tinder. So I think there's also like a difference, like different age groups might be using it differently. Um, yeah, well, my experience here in Finland with Finnish men is that in our culture here, I think women are the more active part or the ones taking more initiative. Um, and I don't mind that because, as you know, because you know me, uh, I'm quite comfortable with taking initiative in, in most aspects of my life, but when it comes to dating, I would really love for someone to take more initiative just because I know that I can take, so I'm afraid of kind of stepping all over people if, if, if they're not active enough themselves. But um, I can share an interesting thing related to dating that happened quite recently. Um, sometimes when I see like Tinder profiles for men that I find a bit weird or odd or I don't understand, like, why would they do like that? Or why are they writing something like that? Um, in this case, it was someone uh, who was not single, who had a family. And he wrote that he loves his family or he loves his children, but his uh, marriage lacks intimacy. And that's why he's here. And, you know, maybe that's something that they've agreed about with his wife I don't know but to me it just looks weird like if you're not writing if you're writing that much out but you're not writing that it's okay for my wife that I'm here um so I was just posting this in a in a story obviously without showing who the guy was you know gotta have respect for people's privacy and just asking to myself and to whoever is following me on Instagram that why why would this person choose this solution why not Talk with their partner. If, if there's something that you find really important to get from a relationship and you're not getting it, why not talk with your partner? Or if it just doesn't work, why not just get divorced or split up? And then a friend of mine, a guy, reacted to this and we got into a conversation. Um, and at some point in this conversation, I sent him a couple of other screenshots of similar profiles because there's quite a lot of them, actually. And instead of like most of my female friends who go, yeah, wow, that's so weird. Why would they do that? His first question was, but Erica, are you interested in these men? And I said, no, I'm not. They're married. And he says, so why do you have their screenshots? Like, why are you wasting so much focus and time and energy on them? And I love him for asking that. And I hate him for asking that because it made me stop and I had to like, look myself in the mirror and be like, yeah, why are you doing this? Like, if you're not interested in them, just leave them be, just let it go. Like, it's not my problem. Uh, so I let it go. I <laughs> erased all the stupid screenshots from my phone and decided I'm just gonna, you know, next time I start talking with someone, I'm just gonna meet them as soon as possible and not first kind of, have them prove to me in a chat format that they're not dickheads or assholes or um, stupid people. I don't know which words I'm allowed to use here. Um, so instead of having them prove to me that they're good people, I'll just meet them 
And if it seems that they're not, I'll just walk away. And I decided this the same day I got on Tinder again, started talking to this guy. Uh, and we went out on a date and it was the best date I've had in a really, really, really long time. And he was a super nice guy. Oh, so I, I think, yeah, it's a lot about, at least for me, in my experience, I realized that my attitude has like, there was room for improvement in my attitude <laughs> towards men and dating. Which I think is so valuable because when we are on these adventures and journeys trying to meet, maybe make friends or even a mate or a partner, um, we can victimize ourselves and it feels like people are doing things to us that exist to hurt us and to irritate us and that kind of thing. And we forget that we have the ability to choose and you can choose whether your attitude or your response to something or whether or not it even is meant to be something that you should be entertaining. Um, which I think is so interesting. And I wonder if if that wouldn't be an interesting thing to think about in terms of how it relates to capoeira, for example, or your work and how, you know, being in flow state whilst being the center of attention, whilst also being in a circle, how does that play itself out in, in your dating life? That That's what comes to my mind yeah. when, I, when I listen to you. I know, Maka, you had one more question. I think we're pressed for time. Um, so maybe if we ask our concluding question, would you be okay with that, Maka? Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Maybe what we will do is have Erica on another episode and we'll go down another <laughs> conversation. I think there's such an interesting path to be walked around um, what you're doing in your work around the management of chronic pain. I think what you've touched on in terms of your relationship with yourself in relation to your relationship with your parents and where they are in their life cycle and then to Marcus' question about retirement, I actually see a whole arc there. And so we'll leave it there. <laughs> so our last question is, what makes you rock, Erica? Yeah, so I've listened to your podcast, obviously. So I knew that question was coming and I still don't have a good answer to it. Uh, but actually, um, I listened to that episode with Huda not long ago and she said her network. And I have to say that that's, I, I agree so much with that um, network or community, but just the people around you, uh, especially when, when it's people who are both supportive, but also people who are um, who care about you enough to call you out on your own bullshit, uh, like this friend of mine who called me out on not having a very good attitude. Um, and the other thing that makes me rock, I guess, is uh, this constant want to learn new things and to develop curiosity good word yes <laughs> i could add so many things to your list i don't know i want to remember that you have been practicing capoeira for 18 years i think that you are oh very God. that's tenacity my dear and i think you have a very long list of items of why you rock. Um, thank you very much for this conversation. I'm so happy. Uh, we haven't talked, I think, since we met on the United States. So thank you. I really enjoy knowing more about you, seeing you are gorgeous and you are rocking in Finland. Keep it up. Uh, I'm also open to dating up conversations. I have a lot of takeaways I can share. Uh, Navisa, thank you. I love this conversation for three very different spots of the world. Uh, but keep showcasing perfectly imperfect women that keep rocking. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. This is great. 
She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabisa Mayema, and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, Tikrai Gekana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannah Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle She Rocks Global. Hashtag She Rocks. Until next time, keep rocking.